Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Man, has, have you enjoyed this Beatitude series? I, I have. It's, it's been amazing. It's been life-changing. It's been so good to get that in us, just what God is calling us to. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at Matthew 5, verse 11. We're going to jump right in. The Bible says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. How many of you say, oh, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> How many of you are like, uh, I don't think so. A few of you, right? I'm so glad you're here this morning because this service is for you. Just kidding, just kidding, guys. Listen, the, the question of many of, us have, many of us have is like, okay, God, how, how do we do this? And this one this morning is, is a little bit different because Jesus is talking about insults and accusations. He's describing how we find the joy. How we find the joy, the, the internal happiness that, that in this world of offense and the promise is, is a little different because than, than all the other blessings that, that we've talked about. As we keep on reading in verse 12, it says, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Come on, say that with me. Say, great is my reward. Come on, yeah, now we're all pushing together. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So God, God is setting us up, and, and, but, but I want to put a pin in, in verse, verse 12 just for a moment, and we're going to come back to it, and we're going to go back to 11, and we're going to ask, how can this be a blessing, God? How can persecution, how can when people insult me or they falsely accuse me of something or all kinds of evils, what the Bible says, how can this be, become a joy in me? How can, we, how can we have internal joy and peace? And even when we're, we're, we're walking through these things, we're slandered and things like that. And Jesus is teaching his followers here a maturing message. One that brings about life transforming strength. 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You're probably like, okay, I get that, but, but, but how, how do we do that? How does, how does this happen? What I want you to see is because God's grace always increases when we go through these things. You may have, you may have heard in, in conversation or some people talk about how they experience a, a special elevation of grace as they walk through difficult seasons in their life. Listen, church, and if we can get, if we can get to the place where we can understand this, well, then the very next word that Jesus speaks on the Sermon on the Mount they, makes even more sense. Because he goes on to say in verse 13 that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father. 
You know, the, the whole purpose of the Beatitudes is that the work of God in us becomes a testimony to the world around us. You, you see that? You see that the, that the whole thing is getting it in us and us abiding by these things so that the kingdom of God and the love of God can be seen to those that are all around us. <laughs> this is so countercultural. Not engaging in hate, not responding in an offense, but instead making a difference by being different. And not, not, and not just when we're in person with somebody, but even when we're on social media. Even, even, even when somebody's already getting convicted, praise God. I'm just kidding. But look, look even, when, even when we're isolated and we're alone, those are the times where it's easiest to say whatever comes up, whatever wants to come out, right? But that's when we, that's when we have to guard ourselves the most. That's when we have to make sure that we are, we are in instituting what the Bible is calling us to do, what the Beatitudes are instructing us on how to live our lives. And, and we have to learn this. We have to get it because it's unavoidable. Jesus said persecution and offense will affect most of us. He said that in Matthew 24, 10. He said, and then many will be offended. They will betray one another and will hate one another. The many actually means the majority. The majority of us even sitting in this room. The majority. Luke 17, 1 says it this way. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible. It is impossible that no offense should come. It's impossible that no offense should come. I love the way Pastor Ross describes it. He says, because when, we, when we're in a, in a, in a, a state of offense... When, when our perspective is from offense, then we become great judges of others' sins, but great lawyers of our own. I love that. The truth of the matter is offense, it has the power to pollute your soul. And it can, it can be damaging and it can be dangerous. And some here know the effects of that. No, they understand of living in that, that aspect and from that platform and everything running through that filter. And listen, I'm telling you, you've been in that place far too long. Some of you may realize that this morning. Some of you may be feeling that already as, as the Spirit of God is, is, is touching on different things and bringing up different things. Trust Him. Trust Him. He's good. Trust Him. He's gentle. Trust Him. He loves you. And He can heal that. It's robbing you of joy. It's robbing you of your heavenly reward that we're going to talk about. Proverbs 18, 19 says, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Listen, oftentimes when, when we're offended, we, we dig in, we dig our heels in, and, and our, our hearts get hardened. And if we're unyielding to others, then we become unyielding to God. We become unyielding to the spirit of God that wants to work in our hearts, that wants to help us to heal those wounds that you've experienced, the, the wounds of, of yesterday. And here's the struggle. The struggle is that we want others to change. But God wants to change us. 
They, but, but, but God, you, you don't understand. But, but God, you, you, didn't, you don't realize that God says, yeah, okay, tell me something I don't know, which is nothing. But, but, but God and God is just like, really? There's something in you that I want to do. And there's something that through you I want to do. We're going we're gonna to see that because God is calling us to a different response, to think differently, to, to act uniquely in this world and to respond in the opposite spirit. There's a quote from a post-apocalyptic novel by the author G. Michael Hoff that captures the cyclical nature of history and seems to sum up the cultural challenges of our day. He says this. He says, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And then again, weak men create hard times. And, there you, and there's the cycle. It starts all over again with hard times creating strong men. Listen, church. Listen. We are. We have the opportunity to be the unlikely people that God brings that God uses, that God is calling to usher in his kingdom into our world. No matter what is happening, and, and no matter what part of the historical cycle you, you find yourself in or you're going through, Jesus is teaching here about the kingdom of God that transcends any cultural moment, any cultural movement, and empowers us to bring about heaven on earth. So you may be saying, okay, pastor, I get it. I understand that. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling the spirit. So then how then, how then am I supposed to respond when insults and accusations come my way? I'm so glad you're thinking about that. I'm so glad you asked. But this is what I want us to understand. This, this, is, this is probably one of the most challenging, life-changing messages that we can receive this morning. I know it has been to me to make us strong in tough times. And as we go through these, you, you may think there, there may be a whisper that comes up and says, man, this is unreasonable. You, you, you can't, there's no way you can accomplish this. You can't do this. And they're too, they're too hard for you to do. But if we do, if we step into these, they will bring about the greatest joy and the greatest peace and we, we can walk in true blessings. We can walk in the life that God has established for us to walk in. How do I, how do I respond? What's my response to insults and accusations? We choose to overlook the offense. We choose to overlook the offense. Listen, if there was ever a time that our world needed us to step into this, to embody this, it is now. The world needs us to do this now. People are angrier. They get more offended more quickly. They, they walk in, in hurt. They have thinner skin than ever before. Most people are thin-skinned and hard-hearted. And we need to do the opposite. And listen, church, it's easy to say, yeah, that's who they are. No, church, this, sometimes this is who we are. <laughs> let's, let, let's not start looking out. Because the Bible calls us to look in first. Because the truth is we need to be thin-skinned and soft-hearted. It, we need to be thick-skinned. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. That's why I love him. We need to be thick-skinned and soft-hearted. Listen, it's, it's not easy. 
And it's not what Christians do. It's what Jesus followers do. It's what people who have their sight and their mind set on the kingdom of God. This is what they do. Proverbs, 12, Proverbs 10, 12 says, love overlooks the wrongs that others do. Proverbs 12, 16 says, when a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. Wise people will ignore an insult. Fools always go tit for tat. If you do this, then I'm going to do this. And listen, the reaction is not what God is calling us people to do. And we can quickly think that, man, that's pretty shallow of those people. That's, that's pretty immature of them. But what I want us to think is that's, that's the indication of how much they are suffering and how hurt they really are. Because that's where that's coming from. It's coming from hurt. It's coming from pain. Proverbs 19.11 says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. And it is to his glory to overlook an offense. God has always called his church to be, to be different and to give a different response. This is nothing new. but This is something that we need to remind ourselves of. When we're lied about, falsely accused, insulted, even persecuted, instead of getting angry, instead of responding to match or one up, we respond in the opposite spirit. Our response is to show empathy. It's like, but, but why? why they, they, they don't deserve the empathy. It's because love looks past the behavior and imagines the pain in their life. God is calling us to look past the response and by the power of the Holy Spirit to look deeper into people's lives to minister to them in their darkest moments. In the moments that they are hurting the most. And when we respond from our flesh and when we respond from an offense, we do damage. When we respond from an offense, we're, we're not standing in, in, in the way, we're not living in the way, we're not responding in the way God has called us to with the opposite spirit. What's my response to insult and accusations? I keep my heart free from unforgiveness. So we all have a reason to be bitter. Every day, each and every one of us, if we gave you the opportunity, opportunity, you could come up here and you can give a reason why. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, you can give a reason why. This is why I have a, a, a reason. This is, I have an opportunity to be bitter. That, that's, that's not in question because it's going to be every day. It's going to be every moment. That's why there has to be a daily practice that keeps our hearts pure. We have to decide ahead of time that we're going to forgive we have to decide ahead of time that we are going to forgive. They're called pre-decision decisions. And that's why forgiveness is in the very everyday prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. In Luke 11, he says, and forgive our sins, for we have forgiven those who sinned against us. We've talked about this a lot over this series because so many are hurt. So many are offended. So many are bitter. But forgiveness is at the center of the gospel. <laughs> we're, 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 we're leading up to the cross. And it was on the cross that Jesus looked at his accusers, looked at the very people that, he, that crucified him and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We have to understand that walking in forgiveness is one of the most freeing, powerful, life-giving things that we can do as the body of Christ for us individually and as the body us in a whole. And how do we do that? We, we look to the word. We lean on the word. We recite the word. Colossians 3 says, you must make allowances for each other's fault. 
And forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. So here, some here would, yeah, yeah. Some, some here would describe themselves as a person of, of justice. And you don't ever think the person that's, that's wrong should apologize. You think, well, when, when somebody offends me, we should, we should talk it out. We find out who's wrong, and then that person needs to do what he needs to do to make it right. Listen, I'm so grateful that's not how God does it. <laughs> I'm so grateful that's not the way he looks at us, and he, he shows us his love because he forgave us. He forgave the unforgivable in me. And he can forgive the unforgivable in you. No matter who you are, no matter how bad you think it is, he can forgive the unforgivable. Because the truth of the matter is unforgiveness, it's a dream stopper. Louis B. Smeeds, he says it this way. To forgive is to set a person free and discover that the prisoner was you. Let let that resonate for a moment. Some of us have been walking around in prison for a long time. Some of us have been walking around chained and bound, and, and, and you're, you're, you're praying, and you're thinking, God, what's, what's happening? And God is saying, you, you, you got some stuff that's happening in your heart and in your life. You got, you got some unforgiveness. You're holding on to some offense because, because somebody didn't, didn't talk to you right or somebody didn't treat you right or, or, or somebody didn't smile the right way. I'll, I'll never forget this. We were walking, I was walking with a buddy of mine, and I've said this before, walking to a buddy of mine to, to, into a restaurant, and, and he wasn't a Christian, and I had, I had been talking to him about the Lord. I opened the door for this lady. She walks out. We walk in, and I turn to him and say, God, she didn't even say thank you. The brother that wasn't even a Christian ministers to me and said, well, David, did you do it so that she could say thank you, or did you do it because that's who you are? I said, man, let's go. I ain't even hungry no more. We need to go back to work. <laughs> I, what, is, what is my response to insults and accusations? I pray, bless, and do good to them. This is the countercultural trifecta. Three ways that God's favor rests on you. We pray. And some people say, I do pray. I pray that they'll get sick. I pray that they'll trip and knock their front teeth out. I pray for them, Pastor. I pray for them every day. I pray they get what they coming, what's coming to them. Come on now. Jesus is introducing a new way, a new kingdom perspective. This is what Jesus says later on in the same sermon in in chapter 5, verse 43. He says, you've heard it said that love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I can get on board with that, Jesus. But he didn't stop there. He said, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Then Jesus, he ramps it up even more, and he says, I want you to bless them. And by bless, I don't just mean speak well of. And that's not to curse them or not to talk bad about them or gossip about them. Luke 6, 27 says, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who persecute you. Pray for those who mistreat you. 1 Peter 3, 9, do, don't do, do not do wrong to repay a wrong. And do not insult to repay an insult, but repay with a blessing. Because you yourself were called to do this so you might receive a blessing. God is calling us to watch our words. 
And, and I would go even beyond that. God is calling us to make sure that we have the right motive in what we're doing. That's what he taught me that day. He taught me to have the right motive. God spoke to the darkness. And Jesus is, and just as God created our world with his words, we're affecting our world with our words. And then Jesus ups the ante and instructs us to do good to them. You want peace? Here's the ultimate way to deal with difficult people. Do something for them. Serve them. Give them something. You, you can't have gratitude and anger at the same time. It can't exist in your mind at the same time. You can't, be, you can't be, be graciously do something for somebody. You can't pray for somebody and ask God to bless them and then, and then have God curse them in the same time. You can't do that. It's not possible. When we're praying for somebody, when there's somebody that comes against me and makes me upset, I said, Lord, bless them. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, that you would, that you would surround them, that you would strengthen them. That there, there's no malice in my thought. I'm asking God to do that for real. And that's what God is calling us to do. Romans 12, 17 through 21 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, is mine to, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, he'll keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. This is the last response God gives us. God gives to unlikely people in God's kingdom. He said, great is your reward. What's my response to insults and accusations? I remember that there's an eternal reward. I remember that I'm not doing this for this world. I'm doing this for the kingdom to come. I'm doing this because this is God has called me to be. When we're accused, or insulted, or persecuted, Jesus redirects us to focus our attention on, on eternity. Our reward is in heaven. And he often did this. God's promises, they're, they, they're, they're for us here, but most of them are for eternity. This is from the perspective that we need to operate from. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down and not destroyed. And how in the world, how in the world was Paul so positive when all the negativity that was happening to him, how could he do that? How could he experience this blessedness and this persecution? How could he remain hopeful and joyful and find peace? He describes it later on in that same chapter of 2 Corinthians 14. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweigh them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I know you're thinking, man, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot, it's heavy. And I don't think I can do this, you're right, you can't. 
We need, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us. We need community to have conversations with, to encourage us, to lift us up, to hold us up as we get weak. This morning, you, you may be carrying something, maybe holding something. There may, be, there may be a wound or an offense that has been holding you back, that has been holding you captive. I want you to be free this morning. I want to invite the prayer team to come up as we just worship just for a few moments. I don't want you to leave here carrying that same thing. And, and listen, you don't have to. We want to agree with you. We want to pray with you. We want to we come together with you and ask the Holy Spirit to do in you what only he can do if you would just be willing to let it go. Would you close your eyes and would you bow your head this morning as we pray? Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we yield to you. And we say, have your way. Have your way in us. Have your way in my heart. Have your way in my life. Reach back into my history, God, and do what only you can do. Reach back into my history, God, and heal what only you can heal. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray boldness over us right now. I pray boldness over these next decisions that we're going to make in these moments, God, that you would come in and have your way.